0: Or Whatever Movies with Wesley and Iris. What up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I am your co-host, Iris, and I'm here with my older brother.
1: Clarice. And today we're going to talk about my octopus teacher.
0: Hannibal Lecter was South African?
1: Oh, I don't know. But this guy was a little bit Hannibal Lecter-y, don't you think? (laughs) He talked about being close to the octopus. And feeling the intimacy against my skin. Could not wear a wetsuit because I wanted to get close to her.
0: (laughs) If you just replace the face mask with a snorkel. I mean,
1: he was pretty jacked or whatever, but nobody looks good in a snorkel mask, right?
0: (laughs) He definitely was rocking the dad bod out there. Whatever.
1: He does his thing.
0: Today we're talking Netflix original film. You thought it was a joke. It's the dumbest. My Octopus Teacher. It's the dumbest title
1: I've ever heard.
0: A multiple award-winning documentary <laughs> swept at the Critics' Choice Documentary Awards and nominated for IDA Awards.
1: It's like the, the Nature Oscars or whatever. I thought it was going to be like, The Shaggy DA, My Octopus Teacher, (laughs) Air Bud, Golden Receiver, Monkey Trouble.
0: Okay, so your impression of the title wasn't that different from my impression of the trailer. Like, you know how Netflix has this new feature where it just automatically starts playing trailers? Does Does yours do that? It's
1: so frustrating. Like, after a movie, you want silence, Right. Contemplate.
0: You don't want to be assaulted with, like, the next immediate next thing unless you're binging a series.
1: It actually forces you to browse more quickly. You know, you don't want to launch into this whole thing. It's like, no, I just wanted to read the title and move on.
0: Brian thought that the interface was such that you had to watch every trailer before you can move <laughs> on to the next selection. And he was like, this takes forever. And I was like, you know, you don't have to wait, right? <laughs> But for reals, this trailer auto-played, we went away for a weekend, binged a whole bunch of movies, completely unrelated, I think I mentioned. Constantine. Constantine, uh, Due Date. (laughs) You can see how
1: the title might have been a little bit jarring.
0: The trailer from My Octopus Teacher auto-played, and I was like, this is so earnest. Like, is this a parody? (laughs) Someone was mocking nature documentary documentarians because it's so it's unbelievable that this guy could be so earnest yep but can we just back up and say how strange it must have been for him to grow up in a house where the tide habitually came into the living room
1: yeah man that's some eternal sunshine stuff
0: (laughs) except for realsies
1: it could have been (laughs) i found the sea because first the sea found me. We're expected to believe that dude is sitting at home and the ocean washes through his room and he's like, I should probably explore this place. It's like (laughs) Narnia in your closet. Your wardrobe.
0: Basically, after suffering total burnout and like a mental breakdown, not to mention his family was like falling apart, he returned to the sea.
1: I couldn't look at a camera or be in an editing suite. I had to go back to nature and then make a movie about
0: it. (laughs) <laughs> it's a little ironic But I can totally see people that I work with g- g- End up here Like this is their fate
1: Okay, he is super earnest And it's not his fault He has maybe not the best voice You would think that it would help That he would go underwater And not say anything to the octopus teacher But yet his voice is constant in this documentary
0: And by he you mean Craig Foster Yes,
1: Craig, whose name I didn't know any more than the octopus. When he lived in Africa, the master trackers taught him how to be more patient and attentive to his environment, right? That's why he could go down and see in this forest that he'd been diving in for a long time, focus on this one octopus, and when he had to seek her out and she wasn't visible because she didn't want to be found, he was still able to find her, like a pajama shark.
0: Yeah, he was literally tracking this octopus undersea. He was a master tracker. And there were a couple of times where he thought... This monster trucker thought that he had lost the octopus on a number of occasions and then found found her again.
1: Yep. Because she said she exhibited, as he put it, creativity and deception.
0: Yeah. He gave a lot of credit to this animal's intelligence. And I think it's valid as an invertebrate. Apparently, she's super smart. (laughs) But then he qualified it in a way that kind of diminished it like super smart, like pig smart or something like
1: a dog or a cat and i thought that's that the same thing i felt a diminishment because molly's stupid like did you know that apparently cat that won't shut up yeah she's asleep right now which is why i can record this but apparently dogs are one of the only creatures dogs and apes i think that will track your finger and and turn their attention to the thing that you're pointing at like only dogs and primates and not cats Because cats are dumb.
0: Well, cats are have itty-bitty brains. I mean, they're like the size of a peanut.
1: Right. But that octopus teacher was also the size of a peanut. Like, the camera was all in her face. And then when you pull back and and she's interacting with Craig, you're like, dude, that thing is small.
0: Yeah. We always think of the giant octopus in nature shows or underwater shows. Like, we're always seeing, like, the killer octopus.
1: Octopus gigantic, Gigantia or something. But... Kelly looked it up and was like, how large do octopi get? And apparently, and she was incredulous at this, it's like 30 feet for the max length of an octopus. Now, maybe that's really stretching. Maybe that's like gummy octopus where they like flatten out and reach really, really far.
0: Yeah. I mean, she could stretch. She could shrink. She could camouflage. She was fast. She was cunning. As a both as a predator and prey.
1: Even with the, the shell armor. But then Kelly was like, yeah, but the sharks hunt her by smell. Like, can she change her smell? And that was super early <laughs> because obviously the shark did hunt her down. But he talked about the marvelous ways in which she could disappear.
0: I know the shark's sense of smell is, is very cute. But, you know, if she could camouflage herself effectively enough, like even if the shark knows it, it's not like a homing beacon. Like the shark will know she's around, but not necessarily know where she is. By the way, is there any less threatening shark than a pajama shark? Well, (laughs) like a a shark in its PJs.
1: (laughs) Pajama shark. That's Australian. And at first I couldn't see the stripes, but then I understood. But, yeah, not a very threatening name, but apparently very threatening to the octopus teacher. I've been trying to pin down what would differentiate this from the very well-made David Attenborough nature documentaries for the BBC or the feature documentaries like the Disney stuff, like about bears and junk. Is it the central figure that they focused on one particular animal and it wasn't hammy. They didn't do the cutesy music or make the Animals seem more anthropomorphic than it needed to be. Do you know what I mean? The Disney documentaries, the more we can identify with the bears or whatever is when they do cute human like things like, look, they're sitting down to tea or whatever.
0: I think there's three basic animal genres, right? There's the anthropomorphized animals who are just basically telling human stories and then there's the nature docs which are mostly about kind of the wonders of nature that remind us that nature is to be respected maybe we're not alone maybe they have some kind of conservation preservation angle and then there's my octopus teacher which maybe there are others in its class where it's literally I mean this is a a personal story about one man's (laughs) rediscovery of himself this is a father-son story this is a story of immersion therapy like world immersion like not only does he immerse himself in this world but we get immersed through his story and i was thinking about it like the crown the crown queen's gambit. right queen's gambit our parents mom and dad they watched the entire season of queen's gambit in one day queen's gambit is stressful like high stakes chess games and drug abuse. You said and... high
1: stakes chess games.
0: <laughs> there are. It's heavy, right? And that's what people want to watch right now when they've got all of these worries and concerns piled up on them in coronavirus pandemic age. Like, isn't what the world needs right now? My Octopus Teacher. Yeah, a
1: high stress Octopus Teacher movie. Where she's in constant danger and there's brutal violence and blood and predators and stuff. No, we
0: need a gentle film about a man who's taking steps towards self-care, told in a very calming way. It's total world immersion therapy. And my octopus teacher, I'm going to say it right here, right now, is what the world needs right now.
1: So it was a little bit, just a a little bit creepy, right?
0: (laughs) I mean, he's a little... um, He's a little on the spectrum, but that doesn't make him like he's not going to murder you.
1: (laughs) But it was also kind of a love story, don't you think? I mean, creepiness aside, that's what he (laughs) said. He literally said, I don't recall if it was in the film. It might have been in supplemental stuff or in interviews, but he definitely said that it was a love story.
0: Yeah, but he kind of treaded the edge on that one. And
1: so you said, my octopus teacher, and I joked, you know, stay tuned, thinking we would never review this. And of course we did, because was it you or Kelly that said, you, yeah, you said, hey, you mentioned octopus teacher, now you got to review it, right? We told people that the listeners that it was coming. So whatever. So I went into this as I tend to do with movies that we kind of choose on the fly like this. Once they go into programming, they are going to happen. Or I will go into a movie that otherwise I would not have seen cold and I don't know anything about it. So I admit I was a little bit relieved that it was a documentary and not a Fictional movie about an octopus teacher, which could (laughs) could have been its own thing. But if I had seen the trailer, which I watched after the fact, but there was some stress in that trailer, there were those stupid sharks and the kind of music. And so this was definitely going to be a chase movie at times and and harrowing. And it definitely was like you're you're going to commit yourself and, and learn to love This animal and you're going to follow this animal and learn everything you can. And it's your octopus teacher. And then it's going to die in 18 months tops or a year. So you're going to get all attached just to know this thing is inevitably going to die in all animal movies like this. The stupid animal dies. It just it's a fact of these kinds of movies. Right. I mean, even the stupid meerkat on meerkat manor got killed. By a snake during (laughs) filming, the matriarch of the Meerkat clan. So you knew this octopus was probably going to die in one way or another. And how much can one get invested? Should one get invested with a life form that's so fleeting that he was only around this octopus for less than a year? And so it was already well into its adult life by the time he met her. Mm-hmm. So you're just I'm just bracing for the thing. You don't want to get too connected because if if you met someone and you're like, this person is really great and they're like, yeah, but I got like, you know, maybe 18 months to live. How attached would you get?
0: Well, we don't know how their particular story might end. Yeah, we know that she has a short lifespan and we almost lose her a couple of times. But I didn't know that she would die basically In childbirth.
1: Well, apparently that's the way it goes with Octopus vulgaris. I don't know about the others. I didn't know that it was within two weeks after the childbirth cycle either. And Mm -hmm. so when the stupid shark did finally get her, I was like, "Uh, okay. She was all white like E.T. in the riverbed and was like (laughs) close to death anyway, right? And so you're like, maybe a shark got a meal out of it. But she also willingly climbed out of the burrow. And was like, all right, have at it. And the fish were, like, plucking at her and stuff.
0: Oh, yeah, that I'm, was sad. I'm
1: saying it was annoying and it was frustrating. And you put me through a lot of stuff for an animal that was going to die fairly soon anyway. And it does take away the drama of her initial uh, escape from the char- the shark, if it can be called that, because she lost her stupid limb. And you're like, oh, my God. And you're all in it. and <laughs> Oh, God. It was very really frustrating. And then
0: what did you think when you saw the little nub? It,
1: and I was like, oh, and then it grew back, and I was like, that is kind of a cute little tentacle. You keep talking about it kind of weird, but it is kind of cute. But there are levels of removal when you get into Because was he friends with the octopus? Undoubtedly. Was he the student to her octopus teachings? Yes. But also... <laughs> He picked and chose. Craig decided when he was and was not going to interact in a way that frustrated me. Who said that when you study an environment, you invariably change it? I don't think it was Ian Malcolm, but it's possible. But I think he, he attributed that quote to somebody else.
0: Ian Malcolm being the fictional scientist from Jurassic Park.
1: <laughs> if you study an environment, you change it. He wondered, was it because of him, because she was interacting with him, that she was out of the den and the shark caught her before she could tuck into the hole and she lost a leg or a a tentacle, right? You drew her out of her burrow and the shark comes. You protect her, shit bird. You don't just let me like, oh, I caused this. I'm going to see what happens. Let's see. Oh, you almost got her. You know, that's our job. As the viewer, and he like followed the shark around. It's like, hang on, it's coming for you. Let me get a close up of the shark. And he would like swim around and follow the shark. But yeah,
0: he's not going to intervene, but he's going to shoot the hell out of it.
1: Oh, it drives me crazy. And the impermanence of this octopus's life has to be acknowledged. Yes, it was very short life lifespan, and you learn what you can, and it's amazing, and they're very smart and all that stuff. But also this entire film, it appears, at least his inter- interaction with her took place in the course of single breaths being held. It's like, I'm going to go visit yeah. my friend for as long as I can hold right. my breath.
0: Well, you know, Kate Winslet claims that she can hold her breath for like seven minutes now. Yeah.
1: She claims to have a record. And we, we're we a long way yet from seeing the next Avatar. So we'll see how that comes to play. Uh, Tom Cruise once boasted at least some kind of movie star record for the Mission Impossible where he was underwater. But whatever oh, the yeah, case. yeah, he did
0: underwater stuff and mummy, the mummy too, right? And
1: even Margot Robbie had talked about doing it. I can't recall what it was for. I don't think it was for Itania or anything. But she said that she, when your brain sends you that signal that you're going to die because you can consciously recognize that you're not going to die, that you're choosing to hold your breath, you simply override that warning and you turn out okay. You can hold your breath for five minutes at a time, more or less without problem. Like, I guess if you have full lung capacity... Almost anyone can learn to hold their breath for that long. You just have to ignore all the, the red flags and the, the warnings going off in your head.
0: Well, it also helps if you like huff pure oxygen before you go on. Yeah.
1: Oxygenate your blood, hyperventilate, and then you're good for a while. I can't imagine he did that every time, especially since some of those moments down there were pretty heart pounding and he only kind of broke the fourth wall that one time where he had to go up for breath in the middle of the drama playing out below.
0: Right, which is something they had to recreate.
1: Well, I'm not sure. So obviously there were other people with him, but they chose to portray Craig sort of on his own, except for the fact that someone's always filming Craig on his own. It's not to say that he didn't handle the camera a lot of the times because he did. But yes, we definitely had a team that was catching everything we needed in order to build up the drama. And in that way, it was really well conceived. They could execute this story because Mm. they had the correct footage.
0: I don't know if this if I'm contradicting you, but I think that they crafted the story around the footage that they did have that Craig had in the can. And I think that they probably went out and picked up a bunch to tell an adequate story based on, you know, the hero footage that he had captured in that concentrated effort, that concentrated year that he had with the octopus. I mean, this is a story, right, that comes together almost entirely in post. It's very crafted. I'm sure that they... You know, they had to piece together this edit. They had to cheat a lot of shots. They had to pick up stuff after the fact, which they could have easily done. I mean, Tom got to be a pretty skilled diver himself, right? Yeah. So I kind of figured that Craig kind of did his thing. Then they went back and kind of did the storytelling movie magic stuff after the fact.
1: Yeah. He talked about, I know that they were editing concurrently along with diving, Uh, Once he assembled this team, they were spending, because this lady uh, producer mentioned being in the water all day, leaving the water and going into the editing suite where they watched the footage of the underwater stuff. And so they were with this octopus in one way or another for 14 hours a day, every day until the film was finished, and obviously they couldn't really put it really together completely until we reached the culmination of the story, which was the stupid octopus dying, but it went on for a long time.
0: You've said this now a couple times, stupid octopus. Do you say that because you cried or you feel embarrassed for having had feelings for this octopus?
1: Neither, I guess. I definitely did feel it because she's smart and cute and strangely trusting, except when she's not and disappears for like a week. But she was clever, and it's cool to see those things. In the same way, it's cool to see the septopod, the one legless octopus in Finding Dory, right? But what are the stakes? Once I saw this octopus, and then once we brought up the idea of the sharks forever hunting her, I was like, oh, this stupid octopus is going to die. And so I tempered My love, I guess, for this octopus, because I knew that it was going to die. And it's like, you made me get all worked up over the stupid
0: octopus. So you, you stayed above water.
1: Man, I guess if you can use that. Craig was very careful in interviews and things where he talked about not assigning her the title of a pet. And they didn't know that this movie was going to be called The Octopus Teacher, but that is largely the relationship. He studied her. She provided information that he learned a lot from and and developed a close relationship. It wasn't a love affair. It wasn't my octopus girlfriend. It was a teaching relationship that was respectful and still a close bond. But I I likened it to a pet, even though he refused to say those words about her, because you take something that's small and then you change its environment. You affect it in a way that it may it extends itself literally to have a relationship with you and in doing so imperils itself. As we saw, you wouldn't take a dog into a dangerous situation because then you'd be forever worrying about the dog. And so as much as the relationship was played up to where he was scared and he was worried, he never broke that rule by interfering in what he called the course of nature or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's frustrating because he's like, I'm not going to get so attached that I would break protocol and shoo these stupid (laughs) sharks away and just be like, not now, shark, we're filming. We're about to have a moment. Like that whole thing about him dropping the camera lens and kicking himself forever or approaching her too quickly so that she darted away. Like maybe she darted away, didn't leave that den, and constructing a new den was attacked and eaten by a shark. You know, you in a way become responsible for her. And then he just was like, I'm not going to do anything. Let's see. I hope this plays out the way I want it to.
0: Well, I think that's the key responsibility and how much you want to take for another living creature. Realistically, this man can't provide for this octopus, can't protect her 24-7. Literally
1: did, brought her food, didn't help.
0: Was that when she was convalescing or was that after when she had the babies? No,
1: when she was convalescing, when she was all broken and busted in the thing.
0: It just comes down to responsibility. I mean, how much you interfere determines how much responsibility you have for this creature. And he can't realistically care for it. He can't be responsible for her. So maybe it's all Darwinian, but like... If he protects her once, what's to say that she's going to have the cunning or the defense necessary to protect herself the next time?
1: Exactly. She's got a year to live. If you knew somebody that un- that had a year to live and that was established, you would try to make that person's life as comfy and fun-filled as humanly possible, right? The key distinction, I guess, being humanly possible. Was he defying the uh, the nature gods by shooing the shark away, knowing that she was going to be dead in six months anyway? <laughs> I feel like it was like he was he had someone in his car. The octopus teacher was in his car and he was driving through like a bad neighborhood, subjecting this octopus to something that it wouldn't ordinarily have taken the risk for. And then when you if you're driving through a bad neighborhood and then you get carjacked, it's like he sat back and he was like, isn't this beautiful? The circle of life. Like while someone's getting hit with a tire iron or something. You can't be for real. I must not interfere. Nature plays out as it will.
0: This guy is a seasoned nature enthusiast, like, roaming the wilds of Africa and whatever his movie, The Great Dance and stuff. Like, this guy understands the rules of the wild. Like, you don't interfere. (laughs) Carjacking or no.
1: So maybe this film was effective in that, yes, I got past Craig's vague creepiness and... (laughs) and learned to also care for this octopus. I cared about what happened to her. I cared about their relationship. I wrote down something that I don't remember what it was connected to, and that is strange octopus level of joy. I did enjoy watching this movie, but I I, I tried to keep at least a little bit of removal, and so maybe it just made me feel all the feels and then took it away as these movies tend to do because we're not supposed to get connected there's not going to be an octopus teacher too even if we have the consolation of the little baby octopus that may or may not have been related to the teacher
0: i mean it was a nice thought right although they were they were what like a million babies
1: two million babies or something that would take it out of any parent right any parent would want to die
0: brings a whole new meaning to octomom
1: yeah you know, it was a it was like, Hey, we lost my octopus teacher, but my son is here and it strengthened my relationship with my son, I guess. And he maybe they had to include him because he's the one who found the baby octopus, which Craig said was exceedingly rare. He said that a couple of times, but he found the baby octopus, which seemed like a nice coda, which seemed like there's hope that Charlotte is dead, but the babies maybe are around.
0: Well Spoiler, but- sorry. The- <laughs> Tom is important, not only because he finds the little octopus, but because, I mean, Tom is the crux of the story here, homie. What did Craig Foster learn from his octopus teacher? He learned how to have a connection with a sentient, intelligent, emotional being again. And it laid the groundwork for him basically healing with his teenage son who he otherwise couldn't connect with. Tom is the whole point. Okay. if that's too touchy feely for you, then what did he actually learn from his octopus teacher?
1: (laughs) He learned that if you are all jaded and broken, sometimes a cute animal will elevate your documentary art and make you reconnect (laughs) with it uh, when you were all burnt out before. It's all about the material. I've made shows and content where I never got in the groove. It just dragged the whole time. And sometimes you find the thing that you're excited about, where even on the days that he wasn't like, I'm going to get a whole bunch of footage or whatever. He probably still went and visited his octopus teacher (laughs) and was doing so without his son. And it's great that his son got to be a part of it. I don't know that his son was the whole focus. His son became the focus, even though we didn't we weren't introduced to him until halfway through the movie.
0: He wasn't the focus of the film, but he was the goal in the Craig's healing, rejuvenating journey. <laughs> I mean basically Craig just needed a real cold bath and his just happened to be for a year in order for him to kind of wake up to what he had been so closed off to. I guess I always go back to that line at the top of the film where he's like, my family um, what was the exact term he used? They were hurting or they were in pain. Something to that effect.
1: My family drove me into the sea. <laughs>
0: We very clearly see Craig and Tom connecting and and Craig's pride in Tom becoming quite a good diver, you know, on his own. And I don't know, dude. Anyway, what was your love level for My Octopus Teacher?
1: It can't be avoided that I had to connect with this movie on some level if it was going to make me this angry. I was just annoyed that I cared about this stupid octopus in a way that was effective. I was terrified when the stupid shark was coming at it, and I marveled how it could create this plate armor of shells and stuff and be so crafty and cunning. And so when the stupid thing died, by natural means or otherwise, I was like, ah. But it was for what it was, a very, very intimate, tiny, small, focus movie. And in that way, they probably had to go to great lengths to make it track in a way that makes it immersive, if you'll forgive the pun. I mean, this was commitment on many levels, both on a uh, on a on a human, on a spiritual, uh, on an environmental, and a filmmaking level. And maybe the lasting impact of this film is this sea change project that was behind uh, this whole thing that he promoted at the end. It continues to promote to this day, but didn't hit us over the head with. There was a moment of his connection with the sea. And I hope that we can keep the sea so we can continue to be connected with it. Sea change project. And we're out. And so I appreciated that it wasn't didactic. It wasn't heavy handed most of the time. And so I cannot help, but say that I liked my octopus teacher and will give it an all right rating because it, for some reason transcended feature docs about animals. And that helped to tell a cohesive narrative that I appreciated,
0: and all right for that stupid octopus. <laughs>
1: all right for my octopus teacher.
0: And you really can't refrain from using the adjective "stupid" for anything that is remotely emotional for you. It's it's like you have this emotional tick. You're right. I'm closed off. That yeah, my octopus teacher was the <laughs> was the refresher, was the soothing balm that I needed at the end of 2020. And a, a a real surprise, uh, I went in with very low expectations and came away really refreshed. And it's kind of embarrassing to recommend, but uh, my octopus teacher is, is a good. So there you got it, an all right from Wes a good from iris that's our review on my octopus feature the <laughs> netflix original film that will continue to sweep at the awards next year in 2021 let us know what you think about this film that currently has a 100 percent rating on rotten tomatoes Eight one eight eight three five zero four seven three or whatever movies at gmail.com what else you got wes
1: so are you going to continue to eat octopus
0: Oh, yeah. Brian was like, the whole time we were watching it, Brian was like, dude, I want some taco.
1: Uh,
0: and we talked about this amazing grilled octopus we had in Greece. Mmm. So good. Anyway, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.
1: My octopus teacher. I love my octopus teacher. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, I got
0: this chair. No, that's just my dad. My
1: name is Prince Daniels Jr. On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts.
0: We'll see you there. Peace and power.
1: Electric acid. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for Season 2 of the want podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that Season 2 starts August 18th.